Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights, here with Rich Klein. We're going to do a tribute to Mari Wills. Maybe too strong to say he changed the game, but he really made a difference when he came in, and he even changed some things in the way card companies signed players. Thanks to sponsors, Tops Panini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, Compsy.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. So, Rich, welcome to the show, and uh, what are your first memories of Mari Wills? I have a couple of first memories. One, I played the APBA or APA game, and I remember his 1968 card based on the 67 season with the Pirates, yeah. And he is a fascinating card. You have to look at it to understand how the game played. But it was just a fascinating card because they had a really good year with his first year with the Pirates, and he stole like 52 bases and all that's on the card. And it's really neat to see what they did. And my other first memory is when I inherited my brother's collection. Uh, it was basically 62 high numbers, but he had a smattering of 63 Fleers. I was always fascinated by the fact that that card said 62 most valuable player on the card. And I was always thinking, even in those days, why aren't these cards I'm getting out of the pack? I started collecting 68 third series. Why didn't the Orlando Cepeda card or the Carl Yastrzemski card, both in that series, say something about the MVP from the previous year on the card? Did Topps make that up when they got to 1975? Yeah, and what's interesting is the 61 set also has an MVP subset in it. They have all the 50s guys. In those, they weren't recreating cards, though they were actually using just photos of floating head, including one before they even started printing cards of 50 Jim Constanti, which I always thought was a fascinating card. Do many people consider Mari's first Topps card to be his World Series card? That actually brings up a great story of my Beckett days. Because the World Series card, which is Louis swipes a base. Swipes second or whatever. Yeah. yeah. The guy at second base is Maury Wills. I player linked that card to Maury Wills because it was the cool thing to do. It's the proper thing to do, and it's going the extra mile. So in 2001, when Topps Archives came... Guess what card they chose for his rookie card? They were doing the first and last card of the player. They didn't take his 67 Topps card, which is his rookie card. They used that 60 World Series card. And he signed some of them. So whatever feud he had at one time with Topps, the money went away. Hey, we're paying you to sign this card? Go right ahead. Do you know why the feud? I have a story. The story I heard is that Turk Karam, who was the guy from Topps that signed all the minor leaguers, refused to sign him because he didn't think he would make the major leagues. And in those days, you would get all of $5 to sign the binding contract with Topps. If it's $5, just give the guy the money. But to Topps' defense, Wills doesn't even make the majors until he's 26 years old, and he's not a power hitter, and the speed doesn't seem to be much, and so... He doesn't get better until he's 26, 27. Yeah, his power was that every single he hit turned into a double, I think. But the story I heard, I think Cy Berger had to be involved to not overrule that. And Cy was such a nice guy. He really had an eye for talent as well. So it had to be passed along to where Cy said, okay, we're not going to sign him. Because really, it didn't make sense to sign everybody, but Cy did have an eye for talent, and it looks like he just missed one. And so by 67, they've rectified it. I doubt they paid him any royalties for the 1960 Topps World Series card because he's not identified 
explicitly on it. What's funny with the 67, and I know three, there might even be more, but that's also the first year Marvin Miller is really the full-time MLBPA union chief. You mean 66? In 66, 67. So the 67 set is the first one he's fully in charge of. And Wills is not the only player with a significant major league career that makes his first sudden comes comes in. in. Arnold Early, who was a journeyman reliever, has his first card in 67 tops. Doug Clemens, who's a journeyman outfielder, also has, and they're in higher series. They're like fifth and sixth series. I've not fully finished research to see, and I never bothered to fully research, okay, did anybody else show up for the first time? But I think part of that is also the deal they tops made to increase the pay to everybody in the Players Association. I don't know this. And so it'd be more inclusive. It probably was. If Marvin Miller was involved, he has to justify as part of the way that works. And I have no problem with that. In fact, we're the beneficiaries of Mari Wills coming in with this really a pretty tough card. That's a very t- That was the last card I needed for my 67 set. My last card was Brooks Robinson. I got him Brooks before that. I paid all of $3 for my 67 Maury Wills to finish the set. That would have been a lot of money. <laughs> it was about 1980. And a tough card, legit. I may have had one duplicate in all the years of Maury Wills, too. I've just never had a lot of that card. But the 63 Fleer card is not short printed, but it has some notoriety for being an MVP card. The 60 Tops card, is anybody able to sneak that by anymore? Yeah, because it doesn't say him on the card. It's rarer than it used to be. I still get a 59 Topps George Anderson card for a common yeah, price. Yeah. Every once in a while, and that's why like in the ComC database, I go Sparky Anderson called George on card. Yeah. Because I don't want anybody who's submitting the card. There might be somebody who not know that. I'm trying to give you a hint if you submit the card. If you flip the card over, he's clearly not a superstar right. for his... Batting prowess. (laughs) At one point, and I don't know if this is true, he had the most games played for somebody who only played one season in the major leagues. He plays. I've heard that too. He's played like 152 games. And that's it. Poof. Hits 218 with no homers and promptly gets sent down at spring training 1960. And not without merit, obviously. If you hit 218 in 152 games, you're probably, and without homers, you're probably not going to be a great hitter. Maury Wills didn't have a lot of homers, but for some years he had 300. And when you're stealing 100 bases or 94 bases or 50 bases on top of it, you have extra value. It's not just your slugging percentage, it's your bases. You had 50 more base hits or something, and he had 90-something in one year. He had 104 in 62 and 94 in 65. 65 is actually a better year for him stealing bases. He only gets caught like 13 times that year. In 62, he got caught quite a bit more. So actually, he's much more efficient in 65 than he is in 62. The record was 96 by 96 Cobb. by Ty Cobb, like in 1912. And so the aggressive approach may have been to exceed that record. Actually, Ty Cobb, 96, he was very competitive. The guy that was second in 1912 was Claude Milan with 88 steals. So Cobb is being aggressive because yeah. he's being followed very closely on the stolen base. That was a different well, game. He's also be, be probably batting 367 or whatever he ended up with. So he was getting on to hitting a right. lot of singles. And I think Cobb had more power than people realize. 
he had quite just, a bit of it power. It wasn't what people did in those days to swing for the fences. Well, if you swung for the fences, the ball, that's why they call the it the fences were way back there, usually, and the ball was a little dead. But if you have doubles and triples, that's also a sign of a lot of power in those days. Right. Wills really didn't have that power, but he had enough to get to second base quite a bit. And you were right. He really revolutionized people's interest in stolen bases. But when you were growing up, you were a 59 White Sox guy. They yeah. actually had the first guy. Louis Abricio. Right. Well, it was, Louis Abricio is a better player than yes. Mark Wills on balance so over the career. But Louis Abricio doesn't have any MVPs. And he didn't really change the game. He just had excellent years put you, together. You realize Good Louis, Louis Abricio played 18 years in the major leagues and never played a position other than shortstop. That's a statement. Shortstop, when you're growing up, the best guy was either the pitcher or the shortstop, it seemed like, in the sandlock leagues. I went to the outfield. What does that say? <laughs> but Aparicio also does have a World Series ring. Yeah. 66 Orioles. Maury Wills has, I believe, 59, 63, and 65. Maury Wills has three World Series rings. The Dodgers were better <laughs> in many of those years. Keep the team perfectly. And what's interesting with Wills is that the 70 tops card is a semi-high card, and that's not even that easy to get. The rest of his cards are reasonably findable, but that 70 card is fairly difficult. There wasn't a lot of mention in the hobby about his passing, which has been a, a week or so now. Do you think that's fair? I think it's because you just didn't think about him. He's not a home run hitter. He's not a home run hitter. He's not in the Hall of Fame. To me, the Hall of Fame is missing one category where he would actually fit in. Guys that change the game? Contributor. Yes, or, guys that change the game. In other words, I was glad to see Buck O'Neill get into the Hall of Fame for the Negro League. He should have been along in a long time ago just as a contributor for sharing the Negro League stories. There were guys like that that I'll call them contributors. They were longtime coaches or they were longtime this or that, and they were important to the game. And many of the other sports has a way for a contributor to be into the Hall of Fame. I don't think he's a Hall of Famer, but I can argue that Frank Crosetti of the Yankees with all the World Series rings he got between well, playing and coaching. To a point, he was in first place of rings, I right. think. Yes, it, he it, still it, is, yes. Yeah, I think so. But uh, it's the way I look at my card wall, is that I'm willing to put people on the card wall, whether they're in the Hall of Fame or not. I've got to be able to tell a story about that card. Why is it there? So Mari Wills, yes, he could be on there. Now, what card would I put on the wall? I would put... You know what? Because the story is better. I'd put the 60 tops card on. I thought you'd say that. You think similarly because that begs the question. Why is that even under the W's? He's not named. I guess he's in the box score on the back. Yeah. It was a lot less litigious back in the day. Yeah. I don't think Mari Wills was suing tops for discrimination. No. He just, it's it's like what our culture ought to be doing is don't get mad, get even. What he, he did is he, he worked at his craft and he became the best at something. Don't forget, he also has those post and jello cards from the yeah. 60s. And he has regional issues. He's got early bell brands. I've got the Seattle popcorn. He's got a Seattle popcorn, yes. That, that, and that's his first card. That's a good story, too, because that shows how long he took to get to the major leagues. The beauty of baseball is that even if you're not six foot six, Aaron Judge, you've got a chance if you really work at your fielding skills, your running skills, your hitting skills. Because the fact that he didn't have a lot of power, he wasn't a big guy. Your Seattle popcorn's a great card to have on the wall, but I could argue the 60 tops. I could argue the 61 post. 
I could argue the 63 Fleers. Even and the I, 67 Tops. And I could argue the 67 I mean, Tops. Might be his, I won't say it's his toughest. It's not it's the his toughest sp- mainstream car. So how many people out there do you think are have a PC or personally collecting Martin Wilson? It's a short list, right? It's a short list, but I think there's Dodger collectors. Because it's achievable. Yeah. And yeah, except for the modern cards, where he obviously, there are probably more modern cards, but if you want just a playing career, other than some of them are going to be tough to chase down, the playing career is a very doable commodity. Where does he rank in the family stolen base career list? He's pretty up there. Bump, his son, stole a bump. And so Bump stole some. Mari stole a whole bunch. Bob did not have a brother. And neither did Lou Brock. And Brock didn't have a brother. Neither did Sliding Billy Hamilton, except yeah. for the Billy Hamilton of a slightly... Of the original Billy Hamilton. The, orig- <laughs> the other Billy Hamilton steals, too. So the Billy Hamilton clan. Yeah, okay. Bump is interesting because Bump has the first real variation in tops after 1974. It takes a while I still don't know how they missed putting him on the Rangers to start in the 70s. And I don't think that's a deliberate mistake. I don't know how they put him on the Blue Jays. I don't understand it either. It just seems like after all the dust settled, neither one of those variations are that tough. Whether it's a two-to-one ratio, one-to-two, they're not that far off. Dan Dishley claimed at one point that it was 70% Rangers. From what I've seen... Could be the other way around. Yeah, I think it's the other way around. He initially wrote in the Trader Speaks, it's 70% Rangers. From what I've seen over the years, it's the other way around. Yeah. By the time you get to the late 70s and 80s, Trader Speaks is... By 79, yeah. Dishley is starting to get competition. He got a lot of competition. Baseball Hobby News yeah. is beginning. Yeah. SCD was it's gaining tried. strength. Yeah. He had all the ads back in the mid-70s. He had all the ads. Did you ever take advantage of his free classified? Yes, every year. So did I. What was amazing is the first time I ever did that. And of course the ad is, just send me your want list with price willing to pay. That's your ad? That was my ad. And I had a good selection and I had a lot of repeat business actually. And most of the people wanted reasonable cards at reasonable prices. It wasn't like, send me all your mantle cards. It Mm. was people filling sets it was really a cool experience. The amazing thing was I got a letter or a postcard on a Friday about, hey, I want these cards. I didn't even get the magazine, and he sent out everything first class. <laughs> I didn't get it till Saturday. Yeah. I actually had a response. Before you got the... Before I got the... So I said, oh, this is a good idea. That's cool. That's another good memory. Thanks, Rich, for joining me today, and condolences to the Wills family. We'll be back again tomorrow with another episode. <laughs>